Hi, this is David Sweet, CEO and founder of Focus Core Japan. And if you were like many of the APAC leaders that I speak to, you're struggling in Japan to find the right talent. You get bombarded with irrelevant resumes or a lack of resumes altogether. I would like to invite you to discover the power of Focus Core's retained search. Let Focus Core help you swiftly secure top tier talent in this candidate short market. I'd like to invite you to shoot me an email and explore how we're different. And with a 100% refundable trial, we can revolutionize your hiring process today. Now, on to our podcast. So good morning and welcome to the Focus Core podcast. I'm happy to again welcome the managing director of Focus Core, Simon Jelfs. Good day, Simon. Welcome. Good morning, David. Great to be back on the pod for pod number two with you. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm exceptional. How about yourself? Yeah, doing well. Doing well. Great I've heard that this is, this, this is called the Rest is Recruitment series. I, I now that we're doing this twice, it's a series. Yeah, I think it's a great series name, as long as we don't get chased legally. Let's see. Okay, well, we'll, we'll keep it going and see how we go. Yeah. Well, for the listeners who don't know you or who are tuning in for the first time, why don't you give us a, a brief background of who you are and uh, your path to your current position? Sure. So I'm originally from the UK. I've lived in Japan since 1997. And I've been in recruitment in Japan since 2000. So I became a manager for the first time in recruitment in 2003 at Wall Street Associates. Uh, we worked together there. Um, so from 2001 to 2006, then from 2006 to 2016, I was working with Robert Half Japan. So I was the second employee uh, for Robert Half Japan, had a, had a great time working there. And I've been working with you now at Focus Core for coming up to seven years. And yeah, o o overseeing pretty much all our all our daily operations. Fantastic! Time flies, doesn't it? Nineteen two thousand. Wow, we're getting old, there, Simon. Did did you always want to be a recruiter? Well, no, I didn't, and I'm not really sure anyone. Grow, grows up wanting to be a recruiter. I can't actually remember what I wanted to be, but I would Im I would imagine it would be a rugby player or a cricket player or a footballer. Um, I do I do remember uh, meeting my careers advisor when I was in high school, and he did say to me, uh, "You seem to have a talent with languages. I'd recommend you study an exotic language." like Japanese or Russian and see where that takes you. 
And I, of course, laughed that off when I came out of the, the meeting yeah. with, with my friends. And, well, I've been living in Japan for 25 <laughs> years. So, Mr. K at school, yeah, thanks for the advice. Good one. I I have to tell you, I did interview a young kid last month who said, I wanted to grow up and be a recruiter. First time in my career, 25 years, I was gobsmacked. He, he, um, his dad lost his job. He was an accountant and uh, in, in Europe and uh, um, a recruiter helped him, gave him advice and got his dad a job. And he thought, wow, that's such a cool job. And this kid was 16, 15, 16 at the time. He said, that's what I want to grow up and do. So amazing. I was, I was. Fantastic. Cool. Right. So, yeah, I was. Uh, so hopefully uh, that'll be a career path for him. And I think it's a wonderful, wonderful career path. I love it. But, uh, yeah, you know, and, but I, I think, yeah, we both agree that most people just kind of fall into a consulting world, fall into recruitment. What did you expect? What, you know, surprised you jumping into recruitment that you didn't expect? Um. I think, I mean, this is just a basic thing, but I I think doing recruitment in Japan, I expected there to be more incoming traffic in terms of <laughs> candidates, right? So I, I think I expected, well, when, when you put job ads up, you know, relevant candidates are going to apply and, uh, you know, the candidate supply side is not going to be such a such a challenge um and then yeah through throughout all all my all my recruiting career in japan if you do get solid placeable candidates coming through from your job ads it's a massive win so pat yourself on the back when when whenever you get them um you know sort like sourcing sourcing candidates uh for our clients like remains like the biggest challenge and you know get getting candidates just just coming in you know through ads and other channels is um is hard work it's a big challenge and i think that's different to other markets right that's the the feedback we get from apac uh apac clients right i, I had lunch with you? i i had a client yesterday who uh, i was talking to just about the same thing you can't put an ad up on LinkedIn and expect candidates. It's not a one-to-one range. If you put an ad up, candidates aren't going to just show up most of the time for this candidate, this client with medical device company, those candidates aren't even on LinkedIn one. And then he's, he knows that posting it in English doesn't work, but then the algorithms on LinkedIn don't work in Japanese. So it's a <laughs> damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. So um I, yeah, for for me, the thing that I was surprised about falling into recruitment was just the, the wonderful variety of businesses in the world of companies that do everything and and that we get to go and meet them and advise them on how to find people. And I, I just, I'm, you know, one of my favorite companies was uh, 
a company called Highcone that uh, made the the plastic circles for the six pack beer and 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 cola. I, I didn't know a company made those things that. Uh, yeah, so the the just that uh, the variety of of companies I think surprised me. So yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I get that one. I, I I find like I think recruiters when they're on holiday, they're sort of walking around on holiday, and they they sort of they 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 see their clients like everywhere they go, right? So like yeah. when I jump in at a lift, I'm like. Oh, is this a Schindler elevator or or is it an Otis? Ah, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's uh, let's kind of jump into what's going on in your world in and in, in, in the here and now. So um yeah, let's let's start with this quarter. Kind of what's been going on for you and your business that uh you didn't expect with that uh would happen for you this quarter yes i'm not i'm not sure if i didn't expect it but it's really really great to see that we are getting a lot of repeat clients uh for for our retained searches so we, we we have several clients who we've had successful retained searches uh that we've completed and they've given us two or three more um you know very quickly because because they've they they love the process so much so what what did they kind of like about the process so one of one of the interesting things was in terms of like a delivery model uh for for candidates for first Mm -hmm. interviews with the short list of of candidates we we've been we've been doing that at our office in uh in Kilbashi. Um wow. so, so face to face. Yeah, yeah. So we had, for example, we had a client come up from Kansai on a Monday morning, get into our get into our office at 8 a.m. and meet four candidates um that that morning. Um, and then, uh, you know, decide to move forward with with two candidates to the next step, um, and schedule the the, the next uh, the, the next two candidates for for the following week. Um, so that's a nice, uh, you know, de- delivery model to accelerate the retained search time to hire. I I, I think, um, and clients are. Clients are very open to doing that and coming coming to our office uh, to to meet with candidates face to face. Um, and then, I mean, the the other feedback we're getting is clients really enjoy our team based approach to to retain search. They like the regular steering. Expand meeting. that a little bit. Expand what you mean by by that. By the team based approach. So, yeah. so whenever we whenever we start a a, ret- a retained search, we we appoint uh, an engagement team, and and that okay. would have, that would have typically four people uh, on on the search. So, um, so so there'd be a a search partner. There'd be a search project manager. 
a candidate researcher in Japan and one candidate researcher offshore. So all all the uh, all the engagement team they they come to the kickoff meeting uh, with the client and and they they attend all the subsequent regular steering meetings which happen on a on a weekly or biweekly basis. That's a much different than what we did in contingency with just kind of a you kind of go out as a lone wolf and try to to place a a candidate into a client with just you know luck of the draw if you got someone on your database or not right yeah exactly so it's yeah it's a it's a committed team um who are dedicated to partnering with the client until the position is filled okay yeah um yeah and then uh then yeah i mean i, mean, I mentioned the regular steering meetings the, the other thing is the data so the, the the actual data that we share um, with, with our clients in the regular steering calls, in in terms of you know how many how many people we've we've contacted, what their profiles look like, what their compensation look looks like, uh, what their perception of them as an employer in the marketplace is. So I think the the clients feel. Uh, you know, they're getting value-added information as well as a dedicated team uh, partnering with them until the position's filled. It's interesting. I mean, that's different than, I, you would think uh, TA, I, I've talked to a lot of companies where they have a, a dedicated TA or an RPO, uh, you know, in recruitment process outsourcing person in in-house. And still there seems to be a lack of, quantity with candidates yeah and yeah. lack of quality of candidates and so when you say something like oh you you have someone up from Kansai and they're meeting four candidates well i mean especially for uh, niche roles that you work on um i would imagine that's a, a breath of fresh air for these for these clients so no wonder you get multiple uh requests for clients coming back to you Yes, yeah, it's been interesting because the client feedback has also been that, you know, the position's been open for X, X amount of months and they haven't seen any candidates come through. So typically they might have had it posted on LinkedIn uh, by their by their APAC TA and then there's no candidate flow coming through and then they, they might have tried, um, you know, some contingency agencies. And then you know, no, no candidate flow's been coming through. Um, mm. And then, yeah, quickly from working with us on a on a retained basis, they've been able to see see candidate flow and shortlist pretty quickly. That's great. Let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit to um, business in APAC. Um, so I know you're working with a lot of APAC leaders now. Um, and I know that you've um, had to give a lot of advice to APAC leaders to keep in mind about Japan specifically, because I think in our, our tenure in Japan, we've seen a lot of difference between what happens in the rest of Asia. We're, there's that cliche, oh, Japan's just so different. But uh, I think now and this quarter and, and this year, how 
what are you having to remind APAC leaders to keep in mind about Japan? Yeah, I think it's um, it, it's often the same message, right? So it's that you have a lot of hard work to do when it comes to hiring, retaining, and developing talent in Japan. It's a uh, it's a huge market. It's the third biggest economy in the world. It has a highly educated population. There is, of course, huge potential here, but the English speaking skills of the population are not great when compared with other countries in Asia and around the world. Um, that's the main point. And then, you know, a lot of our clients are US and European companies, um, mm -hmm. you know, subsidiaries in Japan. And yeah, they are not necessarily attractive uh, to Jap to Japanese candidates. Um, they're, they're often not the lead player in their industry. You know, there's they're, they're, there's often huge Japanese companies dom dominating industries. Um, and then, you know, if it's a US or European subsidiary in Japan, it's, of, it's of course not the headquarters, right? So mm. some, some candidates would prefer to work for a Japanese company in the headquarters and maybe in the future, you know, get a get a move overseas. Um, and then I think, yeah, another another sort of candidate perception here is that maybe foreign companies in Japan are a bit too short term focused. So, oh. um, you know, higher, higher, fire, fire based on, you know, based on quarterly performance. And are oh. they really committed to the market here? I mean, there's there's been a few there's been a few tech firms like pulling out um, of Japan in the in the last year, um, and then I guess yeah the other one is, you know, treat the mistake of treating Japan the same as other countries, right? Um, and expecting the model that works in all the other countries to work in Japan as a as a simple plug and play, right? I mean, it's mm. the culture is very different here. In yeah. in in no matter what sphere you're looking at. Mm. Yeah. What do uh, what do you think as far as trends um, for 2023? What have you seen happening in the current market? <clears throat> so, I mean, what what we've seen so far, we're like what five months into the year. So yep. uh, te the tech industry has had a tough start, to, you know, to the to the year. So there has there has been restructuring. There has there has been hiring freezes, right? Um, and mm. they are they have been happening in Japan. Um, so that's that's a big one. the The other one is um, the foreign tourists are back. So yeah, right. Yeah. So if you uh, if you kind of pop through uh, Atsaksa or, or Ginza, there are a ton of foreign tourists back. So, you know, COVID has now been downgraded here, right, to the same level as influenza. The the inbound tourism has got to be good for the economy. Yeah. So I I would I would expect I would I would expect that would um that that would get the uh, get the economy moving. So I imagine for some of the tech companies that uh, that we work with, I mean they they're able to pick up 
some of the runoff from can uh, some of the runoff candidates from companies that are downsizing, obviously. So that helps them. Um, so there's winners there. I would imagine that with tourists coming back, that helps a lot with the retail and consumer sides of things. Um, any other industries that you see popping back up or or falling down? I uh, don't. I don't really see any any other ones like having having huge challenges here. Um, from from what I can see, uh, like manufacturing seems okay. Uh, FMCG seems okay. Like healthcare is always good. Um, consulting, yeah, cons- consulting seems okay. Right, so yeah, pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. Biz, business as usual, other than tech, is is what I've I've seen so far. I haven't even no, I've noticed now. I mean, with the shock of the the yen changing, that there's also been a lot more talk around manufacturing in Japan of moving certain things back to Japan because it's cheaper than elsewhere in Asia now. Um, quality is still really high in Japan compared to the rest of Asia, and it's cheap. So, for I, I've noticed around manufacturing clients that we work with, that's that's helping uh, things take off. Materials are still expensive, and getting materials here and into Japan, that's always uh, tends to be around a, a bit of a challenge. Mm, definitely, definitely, it's. Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting to see the amount of um, the amount of new plants which are being built in Japan, right? Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good trend. But uh, what are some hot topics on your uh, your plate right now? Well, I think Chat GPT seems to be a big one. Um, so we're not using Chat GPT during this uh, this meeting. We're this is no. organic. This is one hundred percent human. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure you're. You're not a robot. But yeah, Chat, chat GPT seems 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 to be a pretty um, pretty hot topic. I mean, I don't know how much use you get out of it, but to me, to me, it seems to be. You know, I'm not the best with technology. Never have been, but uh, it it seems to be like a like a quicker way uh, to get info than google um mm. you know and it it tends to be like a, a good starting point to like point you point you in your way um so just in terms of like how how i use it um you know if if i have a call <laughs> with uh with a company or with mm-hmm. a candidate from a certain company and i quickly want to get um you know, a brief a briefing on the company. I've started to use Chat GPT rather than rather than Google because it's much faster. Yep. Um, for you know, out, out outlines for um, you know for plans, for example. Um, you know, please please show me the example of a of a marketing plan. Uh, you yeah, know, yep. for uh, manufacturing manufacturing company in japan um just just to just to see a, a, a quick kind of outline um yeah i mean i i think also 
recruiters are using it for job descriptions um, yeah. just to point them in the right direction right it doesn't it doesn't mean you're you're using it all word for word but it, it just gives you a gives you a, qu- a quick kind of template to understand what it what it could like could look like and uh, work from there um, yeah. but I think yeah what seems to be interesting is the the usual talk like which pops up every like five years so this new thing which has come out is going to take away our jobs it's going to kill the recruitment industry it's going to kill a ton of other jobs so i don't i don't see that happening um you know with chat gpt specifically for the recruitment business um you know i think we heard you know years back that the internet was going to was going to kill the recruitment industry and then it was uh yeah like job boards on the internet then it was linkedin right yeah um you know and then now it's gpt and and ai so i don't i don't know but last time i checked i don't think chat gpt can get on the train and meet with candidates in kawasaki um to, <laughs> to, to talk about how they're feeling um about their yep. careers and their, you know, and 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 their and their future and 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 what you know what they can do to, um, you know, get to where they want to with their career. So, yeah, I I find it a kind of like the wild west to me. It's very exciting. I I like you say I use Chat GPT kind of like I do Google, like an extended Google. I'm. Uh, Use and I find that a lot of people are using a lot of materials just how we're built into it. Whereas, like our kids who will grow up with it, will figure out way different creative uses for AI, which I'm just so excited about. And I hope, um, I and I do think that a lot of the transactional uh, things in our industry and in any industry will be put by the wayside. Uh, with AI and I think okay great let's let's do that and let's use humans for what humans need to be doing uh, let's have a better evaluation let's expect more from our uh, American or our human uh, service counterparts we need that more mm. than um, I mean if I'm going through and posting up jobs robotically or sending out resumes robotically might as well have a robot do it yeah hire me right yeah 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 and also i think the the other thing to consider is you know generative ai is is going to bring new jobs right it's going to bring new consulting work to the big consulting companies it's going to um it's going to bring you know digital transformation um jobs it's going to going to bring you know data analysis like data data scientist jobs um mm. they'll, they'll, they'll like there'll be a huge um influx of new jobs related to ai right so it's uh yeah there's a lot of positives that i can see what's uh some things that are you're excited about in the market yeah so just just like i mentioned earlier so you know clients who really need our help 
you know, with with uh, with, with getting talent on 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 board, and you know, really loving our retained search and seeing mm-hmm. that get get traction, and you know, clients being really satisfied um, with with our service. Many many clients have just been getting nowhere with contingency search, and then getting quick wins with us on uh, on retained search. So. I'm excited to continue to to grow that business with Focus Core and you know hire, hire more people at Focus Core to, to help us on that mission. Great. Let's uh, let's flip that on its head. What's uh, what's depressing you in the market? Uh, just, I mean, just just the usual thing, which is uh, yeah, let's let's call it processed recruitment. So mm. when uh, when we have when we have clients who who want us to say you know use a portal um, you know not not have face to face meetings with them not facilitate meetings with uh, line managers decision makers uh, you know C C C level um, C level executives uh you know hold um hold sort of you know teams meetings with 20 recruiters from different agencies on the call and you know expect us expect us to be part of that and expect us to to work to work those jobs um yeah so that yeah that that area of of recruitment i don't really see much value in that mm. yeah Funny story was uh, with one of our one of the consulting firms, desperate for people, right? Consulting firms, and one of the minor uh, European houses were sending out notices, mass mails to their recruitment partners, saying, "We will offer sixty five percent on the annual base salary of." Uh, hiring for these consultants. And I sent an email back to the TA and said, uh, wouldn't touch us with a 10 foot pole, no interest at all. However, I'm more than happy to sit down with you and at a current fee, speak with you about a mythology that we can actually guarantee that we'll hire for you. Mm-hmm. Um, same price that you're at now. Would you like to discuss that? And they said uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. You, you, I, I'd be curious about that uh, that uh, proposition anyway. Yeah, yeah. They could not compute. Yeah. What What do you think the biggest challenge in the industry right now that, that you're facing, or in the next few years? Uh, I think it's 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 more in terms of like big picture what Japan is facing and what mm-hmm. our what our client companies are are, are facing. Um, I I believe it's integrating foreign talent into Japan. So if uh-huh. if, if if you look at like all the demographic data which is coming out year on year, you know, with with Japan, it's like it's it's very obvious that they, they need uh, you know, to let more talent in from from overseas, and they need to have a real plan to do that. And you know, infrastructure 
to assimilate, you know, foreigners in, in, into the country and, uh, you know, get, get them used to living here, get, get them used to, to working here and really get on board with that. So I see, mm. you know, that's the big picture. But then in the day to day, I see cases where, you know, we've been meeting candidates, um, you know, for us to potentially hire. And there are some really talented uh, young candidates who grew up in Japan. They're, 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 they're bilingual. Uh, they're, they're bicultural. They they hold two two different passports, and they're not being picked up by corporate Japan. So you know that that those those people. When I say corporate Japan, I mean Japanese companies, right? So the 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 Japanese companies are not are not hiring them, um, and that to me is just a massive missed opportunity, right? Um, to 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 get to get these bilingual bicultural uh, candidates who who grew up in Japan because they're the people that can really help you know internationalize businesses and 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 help with you know you know masses of foreign talent coming over to Japan. Yeah, it's interesting, right? And then on the the flip side of that, with uh, foreigners that are these bilingual, sometimes trilingual candidates. They also themselves don't want to go into a Japanese corporate world. They want to be in a much more multicultural environment, one that's looking at global issues, cares about work-life balance. And, and those are very, even for, we say, global companies, a lot of the global companies in Japan just aren't global either and can't respond to those needs of this younger generation as well. And, and so it's almost a two-way, both sides need to figure out how to, to give on that. And I, hopefully, I'm sure that uh, we will. Um, yeah. Or they just to different companies that uh, will integrate them. I've seen, you know, great, uh, good examples. A company in Japan and globally is like LVMH. Yeah. Have done a really nice job of integrating young people, talented people, regardless of you know anything in their background, and really just quality human beings and being able to integrate them. And I think so. There are some good stories about companies as well. I think. Yeah, and that and they'll be the companies that thrive, right? For yeah. sure. Yeah, <laughs> and they're doing well. Richest man yeah. in the. Yeah. Going right now, but uh, speaking of uh, France and uh, French companies, what uh, I, I hear that there's a World Cup coming up in 2023. We have our, our rugby World Cup in France. Who who are you going to predict to win that? That's a rugby really Dallas. that's a really nice segue into one of my favorite topics. Thank you. Very much. <laughs> the, the the rest of this two hour podcast will be dedicated to rugby. So if if I had to pick one team to win the Rugby World Cup, which is taking place in September and October in France this year, to win it right now, I would pick France. Wow. An Englishman picking picking France. Yeah. Explain that one. Is home field that going to be that important, you think? Yeah. So fit, fit, firstly, they're playing at home. So that's a... Mm-hmm. 
that that's a big thing. Um, secondly, they've got the probably the best player in the world right now, playing at number nine, Mr. Antoine Dupont, I think his name is. Uh, they've got a very strong uh, domestic league. So they've got great coaches in the league um, in France, uh, like Ronan O'Gara, for example, at La Rochelle. Uh, they've also got, for the national team, they've got a great uh, defence coach now, English English guy called Sean Edwards. Um yeah, they've got yeah, they've got a great team. They've got home advantage. So, yeah, I I I would pick them. However, one thing, one fun mm. fact for you about rugby world cups is they kind of decide the um, they decide the seeding. Yeah. Um, like I think it's three years before the rugby world cup. So okay, what that means is like three years before the rugby world cup. They basically seed according to current uh, strength mm. of teams at that time, and then like what's happened now in terms of like current strength of teams means that like for one half of the draw for the Rugby World Cup, all the strong teams yeah. are together. So, mm. so that what that means is there'll be a there'll be a couple of big teams who get knocked out relatively early. So I think New Zealand, France. Ireland and South Africa are all in the sort of the same half of the yeah. draw. So two of those will go out, I think, in the in early stages, which is a shame because they're probably the four best teams in the world right now. Yeah. But that means opportunity for other teams. Who do you think will win, Dave? Um is it uh yeah, it's hard to go against New Zealand, right? Mm. Uh, it's hard to go against the All Blacks. It really is. Yeah, yeah. I think that that be a great pick. They they're good at winning Rugby World Cups. Yeah, that's that's what they do. So and and they're fun to watch and uh, a class act. So and uh, if if uh, any of our listeners want to follow you and uh, more about your rugby antics and uh, and rants, where would they find more about you? Well, so I'm on I'm on LinkedIn, Simon Jelfs at, at LinkedIn, and then I'm also on uh, Twitter. But Twitter is mostly rugby related, so just bear that. Just in mind. a rugby dad, right? Yeah, so that's just okay. a rugby dad on Twitter, and then also I have a YouTube channel, uh, just a rugby dad in Japan. So you can you can find me and 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 uh, and follow me on there. And there are there are lots of videos of being a rugby dad in japan rugby related and and other random stuff especially it's uh good if any of our listeners want to reach out to you especially around youth rugby because you're very uh um, engaged within the uh youth rugby within your community which is fantastic yeah yeah absolutely yeah so i've been coaching for seven years now um at our local rugby club which is great fun and keeps me busy at weekends so some uh, rapid fire questions for you simon keep you on your toes here we go zag left zag right are tomatoes a fruit or a vegetable fruit who is your favorite harry potter character 
Dumbledore. Ooh. What's the sound you would make if you were freezing cold? I have no idea. Something like brrrr. <laughs> Something like Come on, get that shivering gum. What's your favorite martial art? Judo. Another French sport. Uh, scale of one to ten, how good uh, are you at trivia? Seven. No trivia night for you. Uh, Super Mario Brothers or Zelda? Super Mario Brothers every time. Of course. I knew that was coming. What temperature do you like your thermostat at? 24. Nice. That's uh, There's been uh, wars started in offices throughout the world based on that, I think. <laughs> There's a word. There's a word for um, air conditioner harassment in Japan. I forgot what it is, but Jonathan shared it with me. But I've I've seen many air conditioner uh, settings in the office wars in Japan. Yeah, we will have that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. Thermostat wars. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's it's a challenge, right? Because if you have Japanese bodies and foreign bodies especially if you have big burly european male bodies versus a, a quintessential petite uh japanese body there's a difference of body temperature there right yeah diff- different needs <laughs> seeing people shiver and people declothe it's it's been awkward in in the career yeah. Thank you so much for your insights, Simon. As always, it's a bin, 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 delight. It's been delightful. Let's do it again. Looking forward to it. Thank you for sharing your insights of what's going on in your world. Looking forward to it. Cool. Thank you, David. Down, 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 down